It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 708 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape and reporting on a fabulous trip to Vietnam, Cambodia, Vietnam. I had a great trip, and it was more fun than a barrel of monkeys to see all the things that we could see over there, including rice as far as the eye could see. Man, they grow a lot of rice. In fact, Vietnam exports about a third of its crop to the rest of the southeastern countries and feeds them because of all the rice that Vietnam grows. The way that rice is produced is was totally unknown. I had no idea until I saw what they do. And it's very simple. First, they have sort of a mud flat, and they sprinkle rice seeds on it, a little bitty tiny, you know, what they look like, rice seeds. And the rice seeds sprout. And they're only a couple of inches apart from each other, maybe closer than that. And so these little rice seeds sprout, and they let them grow for a month or so until the rice plants are about a foot tall. And then people go out into the, into the flats, into the paddy there, and they gather those rice plants into groups of about 10 to 100, I guess, in a packet. And they wrap them up with a little piece of string until you have a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of wagon load full of these little rice plants about 12 inches long, and they take those to another paddy, and they plant those, again, by hand. This is all hand work, planted by hand about 10 inches apart from each other. The plants then grow in the paddy for a couple of months, and they grow up tall. They turn yellow. They harvest the rice plants, and then they thresh them so that the seeds, the big yellow-white kind of seeds, come out of the top of the, of the rice plant. And after that, they dry them. And in front of lots and lots of houses that we went past as we went through Cambodia and Vietnam on our bus, there would be big tarps, and on the tarps would be a little two-inch layer of the rice plants or rice seed in the sun drying out. This was harvest season there, and so once every day or so, the big trucks come by, pick up the dry seed, put them on the back of the truck, and the truck takes them into, into the nearest city for further processing. So that was very interesting to see how rice is produced because I've never grown it myself. I didn't know how rice comes to be, but it was fun to see that in, in Vietnam. Everybody has a mango tree, a papaya tree, a coconut palm, something that they can uh, either eat themselves or can harvest some of the fruit. And one of the things that I saw was interesting. On the mango trees, many of the fruit had little paper bags around them to keep insects and, I guess, animals too maybe, from eating on the papaya fruit or the mango fruit. So little white bags all over the trees to keep the, the fruit from being attacked by, by pests on there. That was interesting to see as well. We went by rubber plantations where they take the sap from rubber trees. It drip, drip, drips into little cups by the side of the tree. That's another industry in Vietnam. We went to a place where they, where they graft plants all by hand, tens of thousands of plants all by hand, little sharp knives in the hands of four or five guys who uh, open up a little cleft, a little, little cut thing on the side of a jackfruit tree uh, cutting and insert a bud from a superior jackfruit tree. A superior tree is inserted in. The bud then grafts on and starts growing, and they have a superior jackfruit tree that they can eat the jackfruit from, which I'd never eaten before either. But we had jackfruit in some of the meals that we had in Vietnam. It was a great trip. I had a great time doing it. 
It was more fun, and I certainly wish I could go back again, hope to go back again. My guest this morning, Patricia Collins from Callaway Gardens. Welcome, Patricia. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. I'm yes. glad that you're here and uh, feeling uh, better, yeah, at least. A lot better. The pneumonia, hopefully I won't cough while I'm talking to you, but if I do, I'll cut my microphone off. You'll hear this little ha 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 as I cough. So coming up real soon is the gardening school. At this Friday, the 22nd, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be down speaking. Erica Glazier is going to be speaking. Um, Ernest Kuhn on native azaleas. And then um, Eleanor Craig is a, a fern expert. She has yeah. a fern nursery. Used to be in Georgia. Now she's in that. She's an Alabama girl. But um, those are the speakers. Uh, be question and answer time, and then we'll have a plant a sale afterwards, and then on Saturday and Sunday as well. Yeah. So it's a great, great lineup of speakers because you're going to be there. Of course, of course. <laughs> but the Callaway Gardens, the plant plant fair, I guess we call yeah. it. It's a place that people in West Georgia just flock to because well, so many vendors, so many different right. plants there. Yeah. So uh, we'll have herbs and we'll have annuals and perennials and, of course, the native azaleas and the ferns. And I don't know what all because I'm most mostly kind of sort of repa- retired, yeah. repaired, no, yeah. retired now. Uh, but I'm helping with this. Good. Uh, and we'll give away, by the way, we're giving away single tickets. Two, we have two single tickets to the gardening school. So right. look at your calendar first. Make sure that you are free this Friday. 9, nine to 2.30. 9 to 2.30. Uh-huh. In the next couple of minutes, we'll give away some tickets to the gardening school. And just to get something out of the way right now, let's give away the weekend prize pack. Ashley, we'll think of a number between 2 and 7. Between 2 and 7 to determine who wins four tickets to see the Atlanta Gladiators Marvel Superhero Night on Saturday, March 23rd. That's this Saturday at Infinite Energy Arena. Plus four tickets to the Atlanta International Auto Show March 20th through the 24th in Building C of the Georgia World Congress Center. So if you would like to go to see the Atlanta Gladiators this Saturday and four tickets to see the Atlanta Auto Show for the 20th through the 24th, you must be what caller, Ashley? Caller number three. Caller number three to 404 741 404-741-0750 wins you the tickets to see these two big events. At 713, excuse me, Stella joins us with a question about her roses. Hi, Stella. Good morning. Hey, Walter. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How can I help? Yes, I have a question. I got a bunch of roses. I got knockout roses and I got like regular roses. Yeah. They start really nice, pretty, and then they start getting those black spots everywhere and they lose all the leaves. So when is the best time to start applying the fungicides or... What can I apply to those roses? I think as soon as the leaves are opening up, and mine are opening right now, Stella, that's when you start with the first spray to prevent the black spot that makes the leaves fall off your rose. So right now, and then every eh, every couple of weeks, it seems like the label says, so every couple of weeks to keep the rose, the new rose leaves protected. So that's what you do, what the professionals do, is they keep spraying every couple of weeks until, they're, until the roses uh, lose their leaves in the, in the fall and winter. Um, yes. Um, what kind of fungicides do you think I should apply? Uh, now, that is something interesting. Just like, you know, is, do you have any kids, Stella? I do, but they're older. Okay, but you remember when when they were little, very likely oh, no, no. their doctor, their pediatrician said something about we don't want to use too many antibiotics. And if we do use antibiotics, we're going to switch around between different kinds of antibiotics on the children so that none of the germs get resistance to the antibiotic. The same happens on roses. 
if you have two, even three different chemicals sprayed on the roses at different at two week intervals, you have much, 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 much better control of the fungus on the on the rose leaves. So here's where the homework comes, Stella. You have to read the ingredients. If you go to a product that says this is great for roses, look at the ingredients and find out what chemical is used for the fungicide there. If it's used, uh, one would be chlorothalonil. You can, I'm not going to spell it for you, but chlorothalonil is one chemical used. And another one might be um, mycobutanil. The two of those sprayed alternately on your roses, mycobutanil and chlorothalonil, will give you much better control. Uh, by the way, still, I have this on my website. I know you can't spell things while we're here on the radio, but if you go to my website at walterreeves.com, just type rose disease, I have a guide for how to spray roses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Rose disease. Okay, I also have another question really okay. quick. Um, I have a peach tree and a pear and a plum. Um, what is the best time for the fungicides? I heard somebody Ooh, else yeah. call earlier, right and now. I need to start doing this. As soon as the flowers begin opening, which is about right now, on mine anyway, they're starting to open just a little bit. When the flowers yeah, start too. opening, now's the time to spray a fungicide. Do it again in seven days when the flowers are about to dry up and fall off. Um, where's the best place to get the captain? I think you said captain yeah, or something. I saw some at Pike just the other day when I was at my Pike Nursery. So run over to Pike from from Buford and uh, go to Pike and ask for captain. Oh, okay. I will do that. Thank you very much, and I hope you feel better. Oh, I feel great. Just the call. The <laughs> call okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks, thanks for calling, Stella. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Our guest this morning, Patricia Collins, will be giving away in the next segment of the show, we'll be giving away a ticket to see or to attend the gardening school this Friday. So if your calendar is free this Friday, you can attend garden school if you win that here on this show. Our number, 404-872-0750, and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. Seven twenty-three. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, a mix of sun and clouds. High of fifty-eight degrees, low of thirty-nine overnight. Tomorrow, much the same. High in the low sixties, low. Let's call it around thirty-eight degrees tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast comes up in ten minutes on News ninety-five-five and AM seven fifty WSB. Patricia Collins, my guest from Callaway Gardens, is here this morning, and we have a ticket to go to the Garden School. One person gets to go to the Garden School this Friday, starting this Friday, the 22nd. 9.30. 9.30. Well, registration's at, at 9, and then the program begins at 9.30 and goes to 2.30, and then at 2.30, uh, the plant fair and, uh, and sale uh, begins. And because it's your ticket, I'll let you choose a number. Producer. How about the se- number two? It's got to be between three and seven. Oh, three and three seven. And well, seven. Let's, do, let's do four then. All right, then four. The fourth caller to 404-741-0750. 404-741-0750. Please dial carefully. Fourth caller gets a ticket to go to the Callaway Gardens Garden School this Friday. 
And you're going to be there, Walter. And I'll be there. I'll greet you. I'll kiss you. I'll hug you. And we'll all get together there. Let's go to the phones real quick to hear those. Seth is in Greensboro. has been waiting patiently for us this morning. Hey, Seth. Good morning. Hey, good morning. What you got, Seth? Um, I just had a question. Those, um, there's a, there's a, I don't know if it's a tree or a bush right now, but it's, yeah. it grows on the side of the roads, and it, it's blooming a pink, lavender Ooh. color flower right yeah. now. Yeah. I was curious. I'm, I'm not sure what, what the name of that is. I will give you three choices right now, Seth, because I can think of three that are blooming pink lavender by the side of the road. First one, if it's in sort of in the underbrush beside the highway, little bitty bush kind of thing, pinkish, those are probably wild plums. Wild plums okay. are blooming right now, pink, growing in the underbrush pretty much by the highway. Number two, if the flowers are up and down the actual stem of the plant, not on the tips of the leaves, tips of the limbs, but on the stem of the plant, and they just follow the stem, follow the wood, follow the branches up and down, those are very likely redbud. Redbud is blooming okay. right now, but the flowers are right there on the stem. And number three to choose from, if they're big flowers about two to three inches maybe wide, two or three inches high, and there are lots of them, but again, pretty large flowers on the tips of the branches, those are very likely uh, deciduous magnolia. There are magnolias that lose their leaves in the wintertime, but they have these pretty pink, sometimes purple, lavender flowers on them, but it's always out on the tips of the branches, and those are the deciduous uh, saucer magnolia. Any of those sound right, Seth? Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be the magnolias is what okay. I'm seeing. Yeah, I see a lot of them. They're really eye-catching because of the big flowers on the ends of the ends of the branches. Yeah, they're really yeah. something to yeah, see. Yeah, very pretty. The other well, thing, thank you very much. The other magnolia that's blooming right now, Seth, are called the star magnolia. And star magnolia are almost all white flowers. And as the name implies, they look sort of like little stars on the ends right. of the branches. So you get star magnolia, saucer magnolia. Maybe it could be the flowering plum. We decided it probably wasn't that, or it could be redbud. My redbud is blooming right now, and I'm really, really excited about my rising sun redbud and how good it's going to look in my landscape this coming summer. Well, oh, yeah. there are lots of redbuds along the interstate. I've, I've really? noticed come uh, uh, the last few days uh, as an understory. Yeah. So lots of redbud, and redbud is not red. No, it's purple. <laughs> Real deep purple usually on the flowers there. Thanks so much for calling Seth. we got to get out of here at 727 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.35 on a Saturday morning, 43 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. Whatever you want to do in your landscape, if you want to do it a different way, if you want to ask a question about how to do it organically, if you need a question answered about what to do with your lawn or just any problem you have, I am here to help you based on research, based on science, based on experience. Unfortunately, this morning I have a very experienced gardener, Patricia Collins from Callaway. <laughs> no, it does not that. Patricia Collins, my friend from Callaway Gardens, who's been... Before you retired recently, you've been at Callaway for how many years? Fifty. I think it was 52 years. 52 years. That is insane. <laughs> I know it is. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> 
All right, my dinosaur friend, Patricia Collins, is here this morning to add a little experience to the gardening questions we get. David is in Buckhead with a question about his camellias. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? We are great. How can we help, David? Well, I've got a lot of uh, Japanese uh, uh, camellias around my property, and Mm -hmm. they're getting leggy, and, uh, you know, they've got... Some good sun, some, you know, partial shade, and I'm trying to figure out. I know you're supposed to start cutting them, I believe, after uh, the bloom has occurred. And I'm just trying to figure out how shade tolerant, which will determine the height that I need to trim them to. Hmm. What's your experience, Patricia, on shade tolerance on japonicas? Well, um, uh, you know, the more shade, the fewer flowers, right. uh, basically. And they do. And uh, I have a lot of shade at home, and I do get you know some tall sprouts. And I just, you know, nip the ones that are really tall, but they'll bush out. Um, so if he and can, some can take a good bit of right. sunshine. A yes, good bit of they sunshine. can. They can. Um, okay. All right. So keep keep as much foliage as I can as long as they're tameable, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And are yours finished blooming yet, David? Uh, some have, some have not. So I was going to start the process of getting them back under control. Yeah, yeah and you can do that any time. Let me ask you something else, Patricia. How severely have you pruned a camellia successfully? How, how far have you taken one down and have it re-sprout again? Is there any... Point beyond I, which I should not prune. I don't know. I would. I would do. Um, well, I would. If you can do it a little bit at a time. Yeah. But if you can't, I would do. Uh, leave, leave at least a third of it. I right. would think. Yeah. That's my my advice okay. is exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't, don't uh, cut uh, it from eight feet down to eight inches. In other words, but if you go, yeah, from, these are like these are like twelve, fifteen. I yeah. need to get them down to about ten, so that should that work. That should fine. be no problem at all. You know, I commiserate with your respiratory thing in <laughs> and, uh, Vietnam. I, I go over there because I've got a factory over there, and yeah. uh, it always takes me about a day or two when I get back to get my eyes and my lungs feeling better. And isn't it crazy the number of motorbikes over there, David? Oh God, yes. I mean, I think that's unbelievable. Everywhere, and you know they—they a little fifty cc thing carrying eight hundred pounds of flowers to the market in the morning. It's like wow. But uh, my favorite story was I was playing golf and three water buffalo came out of the (laughs) water trap. (laughs) We had to leave. It's like holy moly. It's not like alligators in Florida and South Georgia. It's it's water buffalo. (laughs) All right, y'all take it easy. You bet, David. Thanks for calling. Speaking of speaking of the motorbikes over there, Patricia. It looked to me like Saigon has about 9 million people living in it, and there are 8 million motorbikes mm-hmm. registered in Saigon. And it looked to me like every morning, every one of those people on the motorbike would get up and say, let's go somewhere. And they would pack the streets, maybe 50 or 100 motorbikes all in a row, all waiting for the light to turn green. They're very polite, no you know, messing around with getting too, too early or not. But when the light turned green, wow, and they're all 100 motorbikes right past you. When it turns red, they stop. They stop. And sometimes when you have to merge traffic, that is the most chaotic scene you've ever seen and not a single accident, not a single bad thing happening. But 100 motorbikes merging in one intersection, trying to go right, turn left, go up, move down. It was a sight to see. Wow, Motorbike City. Who? Uh, John. 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 John's down in Fayetteville, Georgia. John, join us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Hey, Walter. How hey, are you? John. I'm doing all right. What's up? Um, just want to find out: those um, 
soap and water really kill moss? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you like the one answer? No, it doesn't. I give you a lot of things that don't kill moss, too, that people say do kill moss. Uh, lime, I hear people all the time say, oh, you just need to lime your lawn and kill the moss. That is baloney. I've got moss going right now on the, um, what do you call it, the joints between the stones in my patio, which is limey to the nth degree because it's all concrete, of course, to make the joints. I have a picture mm-hmm. of a pile of garden lime, about uh, a couple of tons, I guess, that a guy saw at a uh, garden center, and there's moss growing all over the pile of garden lime. No, lime does not kill moss. Okay. So your real question, so just, John, is I, what do I do? I guess, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I guess there's uh, just some kind of like over-the-counter kind well, of Well, where's the moss? What, what's bothering you about the moss, John? Well, um, I've you know, like we, we, we've got a lot of trees around us, and um, I know that, uh, you know, that's the culprit. Yeah. But I love the trees more than I do no moss. And so... Um, it's just something I've got to, uh, you know, take care of on, sure. a, on a yearly basis. My in-laws had a fabulous backyard. Actually, my across-the-street neighbor, Carl, has a great moss lawn in the backyard. Both of them there strictly due to negligence. They did nothing to the backyard, and the trees grew and shaded it out. All the grass stopped growing, but the moss just loved being in the shade. And mm-hmm. it was a very nice, pleasant backyard to sit on, to look out over uh, in the afternoon. So, Okay. All right. Um, um, I guess I'll just look for a product then. Well, again, if you want to kill the moss, temporarily you can get the Lily Miller uh, moss out. We'll temporarily kill it about two months, I guess, is how long it'll take to come back again. But nothing is going to really get rid of moss other than cutting down your trees, which you don't want to do. So you learn to tolerate it, learn to enjoy it, learn to mulch to places where nothing else will grow other than um, even moss won't grow. And you just figure out how to landscape using what nature gives you. Nature, as you know, John, nature always bats last. (laughs) Nature has her way to get things landscapes and green, and your moss is what nature thinks is best to grow in there, and nature will have her way eventually. Sylvia is up in North Carolina and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Sylvia, good morning. Hi. Hey. I just wanted to know what to put on, when to put the uh, plant food on my hydrangeas so they will turn blue. Ah, so what do you have now? Do you have pink ones now or what? Well, you have, my husband would put it on every year mm-hmm. so we'd get that beautiful blue color. Ah. Now, Patricia, I remember at Callaway Gardens, we used to come down and do television shows at Callaway. And one day I did a little show on how to get hydrangeas to turn from pink to blue and blue to pink and all that kind of stuff. Do you remember how I did it? Um, well, uh, aluminum sulfate uh, yeah. will will do the. Um, I have to stop and think. It'll make the blue. <laughs> blue. Yeah. But North Carolina should have acid soil, so you should have good blue hydrangeas. Um, and then lime would, of course, make the make the pink. Yeah. We in our area, around this area, we have we have a problem with getting good pink. Hydrangeas. Because the soil is naturally right. acid. So, if you're, Sylvia, if your hydrangeas now are sort of a light pink and you want a deeper pink, the problem. No, I want blue. I want oh, excuse blue. me, blue. <laughs> I meant to say blue. Yeah. If you have a light blue and you want a deeper blue, Patricia's named a product that I think you can find pretty easily at garden centers called aluminum sulfate. Alum is another name for it, but aluminum sulfate is the chemical word. 
And aluminum when, sulfate provides a lot of aluminum to the soil. And guess what? The dye, the, the thing in a hydrangea flower that causes it to turn blue is aluminum. So by adding aluminum sulfate to the soil, you acidify it, number one, with the sulfur, and you add aluminum, number two, and hopefully over a year or two period, then the flowers will turn a deeper blue than you have now. When when do you put this on? I think any time. Any time. Now is okay? Now is okay? Yeah. Aluminum oh. sulfate. All right. Thanks. All right. Good talking to you, Sylvia. Thanks for calling. Thanks. We've got Chris in Conyers over in Rockdale County. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How you doing today? I'm doing fine, Chris. How can we help? Well, the question I have is I just had a bunch of uh, trees t- um, taken down in my backyard because I wasn't getting enough sun. Yeah. Now that I got it trimmed up, I was wondering if I can do any seeding in my fescue, which is in the backyard. Yeah. How much? Uh, I have how much, irrigation. How much sunshine do you think it gets now, Chris, in a day? How many hours of sun will it get? Well, I, I want to say I would think at least a minimum of 10 hours, I would think. Ah, you're great. You can put fescue out there, and it will look fabulous. Wow. Okay, so is there anything else I need to put down outside of the fescue seed? Yeah. Um, the key to fescue seeding in the spring is getting really good seed to soil contact. In other words, you've got to get the seed right there touching the soil really tightly onto it. And the easiest way to accomplish that is using an aerator. So go rent an aerator somewhere, run it over the yard three times at least. Just make lots and lots and lots of little holes. Put your seed out and then maybe rake it with a little yard rake or something to get the seed down in the holes. And that gives you a good germination um, ability and good percentage of the seed that come up. By the end of March, gosh, well, first week of April anyway, you should have a nice light green covering. By June, it'll be nice and dark green. By July, it'll start turning yellow. But then, Chris, you put stuff called Ironite. Ironite is an iron product that makes fescue turn green but keeps it from getting diseased from too much fertilization. And starting next fall, we start September, November, February, April, fertilizing the fescue. It looks gorgeous. It'll look great for you. Well, I'm excited. I really do appreciate your time, and um, have a very good weekend. Hey, Chris, thanks so much. Drive safely, my friend. Thank you again. You bet. 404-872-0750 is our number. If you have a question about your lawn, your shrubs, your trees, your bugs, your critters, or about Callaway Gardens, my guest Patricia Collins from Callaway Gardens can answer questions about that, as well as the garden school coming up this Friday and the garden plant fair, the sale that happens at Callaway Gardens with all the native azaleas that happens this weekend. It's 747 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security today. A mix of sun and clouds, high of 58, low of 39. Sunday about the same, high in the low 60s, low around 38. Not bad days for gardening at all. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes. 
on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Susan is out in Lithia Springs and joins us on Lonnie Garden. Hey, Susan, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How hey, are you? I'm doing great, Susan. What's up? Well, I've got two things. The first one is I've got a natural area in my backyard because there's just way too many trees to try to get grass to grow, so I keep yeah. it mulched and the leaves and all that usually stay out there. But I do have weeds that come up, and I've not been successful at finding a pre-emergent to keep those weeds from coming up. You got any suggestions? You know, there's a real strong part of me, Susan, that says if you mulch and keep it up continuously, the population of weeds is going to go down because the mulch will keep new ones from, from being able to reseed in there, and the old ones will simply die away. And... My feeling is that what I would do is rather than trying to rely on a pre-emergent is maybe either one, do the organic way and simply dig them out, or number two, uh, get a little paintbrush and put some Roundup, spray Roundup on the paintbrush and paint that onto the weeds that are in there. But with a little bit of you know, persistence, I think eventually you'll get rid of the weeds and not worry about the pre-emergent at all. I don't think I'd rely on the pre-emergent in your case. Okay. All right. I know it's a drag to have to get out and dig and pull and paint and all that kind of stuff, but I think if you just are persistent for a year, it'll give you five years before you get any kind of problems with it later on. I think you do fine just to do hand pulling and maybe some roundup here and there. Okay. I'll give that a shot. All right. See what happens. Um, <laughs> just see what happens. And sometimes, you know, it happens that different people in different situations have different solutions and different things that work for them. There's nothing wrong with that, Susan. I can't say that everybody in the world would be your same, that I'll give the same advice to. Some people, I might say, a pre-emergent might be the better way of doing things. But right. I just don't think in this case, in your case, that that's the right way to go. I think hand-pulling is the easiest thing to do. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I will try, and I mean, I can go out there right now and pull hands full exactly, of it. Exactly, exactly. Do it now while the <laughs> soil is, is wet and you can pull yeah. it easily. So you get that done now, sure. Okay. Um, next question about the plant sale at Callaway. Yeah, sure. Is it going to be in the, uh, I don't know the name of the section, where it, the swimming area is and no, the dome? No, it's going to be, as you go in the, the main gate, the main gate on highway 27 it will be up in at the what they call the overlook picnic area where the overlook uh azalea garden is it will be in, in that area okay we've, we've right. changed because, it up a little yeah there's, there's signs there'll be signs there so yeah. you can follow the signs okay because we've been in the past and it was at that i'd call it the swimming right. area the tent, yeah well the, one of the reasons we wanted to move it is that that uh, over in the in the swimming beach area, there's not a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of things blooming. But this coming weekend, I think, will be almost, depending on the weather, peak. There are azaleas blooming already, so uh -huh. you will see azaleas. So it's an added. There is you you pay have to pay regular admission into the gardens uh, okay. this weekend. Okay. But it's where you can walk on the azalea trails, and we've uh, opened up and planted a lot of azaleas in there. So. Um, they're re okay. rejuvenating that, that garden. All right. Well, that sounds good. Right. Hope to see you there. See you Thank there, you. Susan. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. In the next half hour, we'll talk to Sue and Dunwoody about her Coreopsis. 
JM wants to know a little bit more about how to fertilize a ginkgo. Kim and Decatur will join us as well. The number again, 404-872-0750. And Martin Levine, that's right. Martin Levine from the Atlanta Home Show will be here at 8 o'clock. Talk about the new spring Atlanta Home Show as well. We'll be back after news.